Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Hey guys, I want to welcome you to week three of our series, Fast, a series in which our entire church is considering fasting for the next three weeks in order to see spiritual breakthrough. We're giving up some physical food, Facebook, fasting from things that bring us comfort in the hopes of really seeing God's special spiritual blessing poured out in our lives. The requests, what people are fasting for, are overwhelming and heartfelt. Listen to some of these. People who are fasting for uh, their father, their brother to be healed of cancer. Uh, people fasting for their children to be saved, to actually come back to Christ. People who are fasting for uh, release from addictions. We have addictions to cigarettes, to, to weed, to pot, to, uh, to sugar. Someone's asking for God's spiritual blessing on their business financially. They need to get out of debt. Someone's fasting and say, God, would you give me di- guidance about a future spouse? People are asking for renewal in their marriage, in their families. This person's looking for, is struggling uh, to find out God's will. Does he, does he want them to move? Maybe uh, try grad school. What's their next step? Fasting is a way of finding discernment. These are heartfelt, guys. Someone's beginning a new job as a nurse and asking for God's anointing on her life as she seeks to help heal others. This one, to me, is a paradigm shift. I love this. There is a friend who is in this congregation. He's Muslim, and he's actually exploring the claims of Jesus Christ for the first time here at Liquid. And he says, I'm going to fast for the next 21 days and ask God to reveal who he really is. How great is that? We are seeking breakthrough this spring, and the next three weeks is going to be an adventure. I'm glad you're here today. We're going to talk about how do we put the power of prayer behind our fast. Well, assalamu alaikum, everybody. You know what that means? That means peace be with you in Arabic. I say that especially to my Muslim brother, wherever you are, whatever campus. Welcome, my friend, especially if you are new to Liquid. We're kind of in a neat moment as a church. You're coming at a fun time. For the first time ever, we're devoting 21 days this spring to fasting together. We're modifying our diets for three weeks leading up to Easter in order to really experience more of God, more of his power in our church. Um, You should know if you're new, the people in, if you hear the rumblings, the people here are very hungry, okay? And not just because this is going to be day seven of our fast together, but we're hungry for God. Uh, People from all walks of life are hungry for really for God's touch this spring. These are, take a look at this, this bucket, right? We got, it's kind of ironic, it's in a popcorn bucket, but I got all the the fast cards from all of our campuses, the stuff pouring in online in here, and the the, the stuff is absolutely incredible that people are asking for breakthrough for. Um, There's things here where somebody is asking um, God to heal their thyroid. Uh, People are fasting for their future husband, uh, my child's medical condition, um, God's choice for a new job, release from depression, uh, a family that's mired in debt. They're looking for financial freedom. This one I was really touched by. This one is a modern miracle. This person's writing, my dad is older. I'm praying he'll be set free from his alcoholism. I'm asking God that he'll come to Christ before he dies. That's powerful. I mean, you can hear the heart cry on so many of these. Lots of people fasting for loved ones who don't know Christ. That's an awesome thing to fast for. Because you know, I mean, whenever you put, you know, your will equals God's will, you know something's going to happen. And that's God's will. Um, This one was kind of fun because, uh, let's just listen to this. Someone's taking a more modest step. They said, uh, I'm giving up cigarettes for 21 days to kick my addiction to nicotine. I should probably give up weed too. And then they wrote, one at a time, Lord, one at a time. (laughs) You got to be all in, man. 
That's, you know, we celebrate small steps, but come on, man. People, it's hilarious. I, we are an honest church, right? I mean, it's like people are seeking wisdom for their future plans. Like, do they go to grad school? What career path should they take? And here's the neat part. We're already seeing answers for these. At least I am. Remember how I told you I was asking God to inspire 500 people to join me on the Daniel Fast this spring. Well, check this out. All told, at all of our campuses, it is now 887 people. Can we hear it for that? That is absolutely awesome. Uh, God can do more than we ask or imagine. And then on the way out, way up to the stage, someone hands me this and goes, it's up to 981. So we're going to break. I would say my guess is we're going to end up with over 1,000 people who are hungry for more of God this spring. That's a, that's a miracle in New Jersey, okay? When people are pushing away from the Taylor Ham and saying, I want more of God. This is a miracle. Uh, people are, it's not all food. A lot of people fasting from TV and movies, Facebook, video games, all the kind of stuff that eats up your time. Uh, one person's fasting from their, from critical speech for 21 days. She said, I'm seeking renewal in my marriage and I put it on God, put it on my heart to give my tongue a break. I'm going on a fast. So praise God for that, man. That is the kind of creativity. The majority of folks are doing the Daniel fast where we're giving up, you know, those meats and breads and sweets and all that kind of stuff and just do only fruits and vegetables and water for 21 days. But we learned that fast from the prophet Daniel. That's where he sought God's face for three weeks. And it was right after that that God unleashed a powerful vision for his life that changed the destiny, really, of not only his family, but the friends that he loves, the vision he gave. That's what we're after. What's God's vision, his purpose, his plans for our life as a church? So you understand fasting is never about the diet. It's about the heart behind it, right? I mean, a time comes, I really believe, in the life of every believer that God asks us just to push away from the normal comforts of daily life and ask God, would you feed me with your spirit? Feed me deeper with your word. We push away from our normal routines. We kind of press into him and say, you know, fill me in a deeper way. Um, If you began your fast this week, you probably have experienced a bit of the detox by now. How many of you have felt the headaches? Okay, all the caffeine junkies, big deal. I know some of you are real shaky. We got to wake you up a little bit. You probably experienced some temptations. You know, you're standing in the checkout line and you're like looking, like at the Kit Kats and stuff. Uh, Probably experienced some grouchiness. I had, this is hilarious. Somebody told me this morning, they said, yeah, actually my boss said I need to have a cup of coffee. I said, why? He goes, well, I'm a bank teller. And he called me over and he said, I want you to either have a cup of coffee or you go home. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, I can't have you this rude to our customers. (laughs) He was just so like on edge. So God bless him. The flesh is used to getting its way. That's the big deal here. And so when we say no, it gets upset. Our flesh does not like being turned down. And that's really what we're doing. We're telling our flesh who's boss, God's spirit. And he doesn't like that. But know this right now, guess what's happening? More room for God's spirit is being created in, in, your, in the core of your being, your soul. More of his power, more of his love. And in 21 days, I really think we're going to see this break over in our church. Does anyone else believe this? I really believe this. Um, I completed my first fast um, earlier this spring. And on day one, I was surprised by all the voices and excuses that came pouring in. I remember the afternoon of day one, I remember hearing, oh, you don't really need to do this, Tim. You know, start, start with everybody else later on. You, you, well, you can't give this up, but you're going out to dinner with friends on Friday, or, oh, you know, I have to go to that birthday party. It's going to be awkward. Do you, do you have those voices? Those are, that's your flesh fighting for its life, okay? Your flesh does not want God to have dominion over your body, mind, and soul. I mean, what if God really gripped your life in a new way? Let me tell you something. I think, I think you'd be dangerous because I, I, believe, I believe God sees every one of these sacrifices. 
And the Bible says God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Remember how Jesus put it? He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for what they will be filled. Who wants to be filled up? All right, come Holy Spirit, more of God this spring. That's what's happening here. And I want you to know this. We're going we're to be praying for you. Praying as never before over each of these requests as you kind of settle into your fast this week. I think things you're going to see are going to change a little bit. Um, during the first week of the fast, it's completely normal um, for you to, it's just, you think it's all about the food. You almost can't think about anything else. You're like, oh, what I'm giving up, I can't believe it. I can't think straight. Uh, you know, Triscuit's legal, you know, all that junk. The temptations, the substitutes, you get obsessed by the food stuff. That's going to change in a few days. That's normal for the first week. When you settle into your fast, what will happen is your focus is going to shift from the food, what you can and can't, to, to God. I promise you, your flesh will quiet down and your soul's going to open up. More of God. As Jenison Franklin puts it, he says, when you eliminate food from your diet for a number of days, your spirit becomes uncluttered by the things of this world and amazingly sensitive to the things of God. I believe you are going to hear God's voice. You're going to sense his presence in your life and begin to see answers. In fact, what I want to do right now, actually today, is just take a minute to pray for every person in this room at all of our campuses watching online. Let's, who's participating? Can we just pray together? Let's just do this. God, we're seeking you. Look at your people. God, what, what, they, what, you, what you're stirring in them. Father, we just say we want to hear your voice. We want to know your heart, and we are a people hungry for more of your touch. God, you see every one of these requests. These are your children sincerely seeking you. Jesus told us to, to ask and we'd receive. Seek and we'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to us. That's what we're doing, Father. Lord, hear our prayers. I pray that the, the grumblings of our bellies would be a sweet sound to your ear. We ask that in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. All right. Well, today, here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about how you put the power of prayer behind your fasting. Because the truth of the matter is, fasting without prayer, it's just dieting. That's all it is, okay? It's nothing more than that. If you're just fasting and you're not pressing into God, actually spending more time with it, understand you're just doing a diet. Resist that temptation. Resist the temptation. Don't get on a scale for the rest of your fast. It's not about that. I actually think that's why God sent us snow this spring. So that we wouldn't be all like, how do I look in my shorts? You know, just kind of like, get off of that. We're pressing in to seek more of God. We're, we're, we're asking him to see our prayers. And that's a significant thing. When you ask God for favor in your, his, in your life, for him to pour out blessing. When you talk about asking God, praying, seeking his face, what does that mean? How do you, how do you, how do you ask God for breakthrough in those situations that are so close to your heart? How do you, how do you discern his will for your life? That's what we're going to focus on. And here's the deal. We're going to let Jesus teach us. So if you would open up your Bible to Luke chapter 11, we're going to look at the first 13 verses here. That's on page 722 of your Bibles that we provided for you. And this is kind of cool because um, you know it as the Lord's Prayer originally, but you're going to see something new today in this. One day, Jesus' disciples said to him, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. How, how, how do we ask? How do we press into God? How do we approach God with our needs? And Jesus said this familiar prayer we all know in some level. Let's just read this together. Luke 11, it says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Just stop there, because you're like, wait, that's not how I remember it. That's an abbreviated version of the Lord's Prayer. The longer one is in Matthew. But Jesus is basically giving the basics that teach us how we pray when we fast. Notice the order in his prayer. 
First, Jesus said you need to praise God that, that before you even make any requests. That's because praising God, just acknowledging his hallowedness. You know what hallowedness? It just means his holiness. We got to do that before. before you got to be in the right frame of mind before you put your needs before him. Uh, confession time. Early in my Christian life, my prayers were more like a shopping list than a conversation. Dear Lord, I need you to do this, 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 and this, please, and do it by Friday. It was, it was in a conversation. And he's, and he's your father, but at the same time, he's the creator of the universe you're talking to. So he's first worthy of your praise and worship. And that's something I'm going to recommend you do a lot on during the next uh, a few weeks of your fast. Listen to worship music. You are hereby released to load up your iPod with all new music. Take it with you in the car, at work, at the gym, whatever. During a fast, it's extremely powerful to surround yourself with music about God's presence. Scripture says uh, God inhabits the praises of his people. So buy some fresh tunes. Actually use that during your time with God. I do this all the time. I got some great J- Jason Upton music. He's just real spirit anointed music. I use that during my, my time with God. Um, after Jesus praises God, then he says, I want you to feast on God's word. Give us what? Each day our daily bread. I've talked about this. There's a fast feast principle here. Whenever you deprive yourself, you fast from food, you need to feast on God's word, okay? The daily bread. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. If you signed up, you're getting the daily devotional that uh, I'm sending everybody who's doing a 21-day fast. If you want to do that, if you haven't joined, you can join online. Go to liquidchurch.com. You can join at any time. But every day, you'll notice I provide a scripture passage for us to chew on and meditate over, and this is critical. During the next sequence, you've got to feed your mind with the right stuff. I'm going to suggest, whether or not you're doing a media fast, that you limit your TV watching restrict your media intake during this fast because you know why it's a moment to say you know what for this season i am focusing god on you alone and i'm serious would you feed my mind with new thoughts i want to renew my thinking don't pollute your spirit with tmz okay you want your spirit to be tuned into god's spirit not charlie sheen what's he doing this is a time for focus people okay winning if you start okay we want to be winning in a different way here okay So focus in, chew on this. Notice the sequence Jesus lays out. He says, start with praise, spend some time in his word. And then Jesus says, in the cornerstone of your your relationship with God, don't forget, forgiveness. Forgive us our sins, what? For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Notice the for we also. In other words, just as Jesus has forgiven our sins, the expectation now that we're his followers is that we will forgive those who've wronged us. We'll pay it forward. You can never start a fast with bitterness or resentment in your spirit. If you do, you're just wasting your time. It will block your breakthrough because all the power in a fast, in the Christian life, flows from the cross of Jesus Christ, yeah? On the cross, he takes on our sin. He pays for it with his blood. If there is any forgiveness in your life, when you start your fast, you've got to get rid of it this week. You are carrying extra baggage. This is about inner cleansing, all right? So think about this. Run it through right now, the filter. Forgive. Does anyone have something against you or you against anyone? If you don't forgive them, you're saying, I haven't really grasped how much it costs God to forgive me. Has anyone wronged you? You've got to release them. This is a foundation to an effective fasting and prayer. We worship, we feast on God's word, we receive and, 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 and give forgiveness, and then, look at this, we admit our weakness. We're honest. Lead us not into temptation. Who's, you're going to be tempted. This is just going to happen. How many of you drove, you know, past Starbucks and got like real jittery? <laughs> you got like real nervous there. Stuff's going to start jumping off the shelves this week, okay, at you. A coworker's going to go like, dude, it's his birthday now. Come on in the break room, man. Look at this cake. It's going to happen. 
You're going to go out. Hey, let's roll out for lunch. You go, they, you, you go out with coworkers to smash burger, and you get a salad. How's that? Uh, Colleen and I, we went to, um, this was, we, someone took our kids unexpectedly, like, like in a good way, not kidnapped, like, thank you. And, uh, <laughs> and we went, so we went out, free night, we go to hibachi, you know the hibachi? It was like the worst choice in the world. Like we're sitting there, it's where the guy's like, oh, you know, and you hold the things in your face. And everyone's ordering, they're ordering like steak and shrimp, and I'm like, I'll have the vegetables. And he goes, okay, and, you know, and he brings the vegetables forward, and it's like this wilted white lettuce, you know? And my wife looks at it, and she pushes it forward, and, and, and she just looks over, and she just goes, oh, I feel sorry for you. And I look down, and I was like, I, I feel sorry for me too, you know? And, uh, and then she goes, yeah, I'll have the lobster tail and filet mignon, please. She's like, no mercy, man, it's just going to happen. It's a sacrifice, guys. Your flesh is going to keep saying to you, give in, give up. This is stupid. They won't even know, and that's completely true. But he's going to say, it's not making any difference anyway. God's not going to answer your prayers. You're just making yourself miserable. And you know what? This is why I love Jesus. Because just at this moment, you're tempted to listen to that voice like, maybe, maybe he's right. I mean, does God really care about this stuff? I mean, I've prayed for stuff in the past, and I've been serious, and it hasn't happened. What difference does fasting and prayer really make? Some of these requests for breakthrough are pretty big. These, some of these are pretty epic. Should we really get our hopes up like anything's going to happen? It's at just this point of doubt that Jesus tells a funny story. Look at verse 5. This is amazing. He said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. The one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he won't get up and give him the bread because he's his friend. Now watch this. Look at this verse. It says, yet because of the man's, what's the word? Boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, what? Receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, here's the deal. Jesus tells this, like, weird little story, and it seems, like, out of place. What does this have to do with anything? It's like he's telling us how to pray, and then all of a sudden, he starts in with this, this story about some cranky guy who, who, who won't give his buddy some bread. His buddy comes knocking on the door. But this story is really about what happens when we worry our prayers aren't going to get answered. Do you ever worry about that? Or you think, maybe God won't respond to my prayers. There's an unanswered prayer. And most of the people in, Jew- in Jesus' first century audience, they would have laughed at this story. You know why? Because it's nighttime, and this guy, this, this, this guy opens his door, he's pounding on his door, and he opens it up, and he has nothing to serve this weary traveler. His fridge is empty, and in the first century, this is a crisis, because in the Middle East, hospitality is everything. It's your whole reputation. You think food's important to us? No self-respecting Jew would ever turn away a weary traveler. So this guy goes to his neighbor's house to ask for some bread. It was probably actually more than bread that he wanted. See, Palestinians, they use bread the way we Americans use silverware. You know know what they do? You ever been to the Middle East? They actually rip off part of the crust, and they use it like a fork and knife. They, 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 They spoon it like this. They spoon the stew, the sop, and then they eat the whole thing. So, so when this guy's saying, he's basically asking for not just bread, it's like stew, a whole dinner and everything. So it's a pretty big request. But the neighbor is a bit of a crank. He's like, what are you doing knocking? It's late. Don't bother me. Look at this. This is kind of fun. This is Jesus' humor. He's like, the door's locked. My kids are in bed. My wife and I are watching Letterman. I can't get up and give you anything. (laughs) 
And that's like a fairly reasonable rejection. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, sure, come on in, you know, go to the kitchen, get some Frosted Flakes, you know. It's, it's, it's not like that. You know why? In the first century, you know what a house was like? A tent. Anybody go camping? Anybody here does, does camping with your, with your family in like one giant thing? You know how this is? The whole family in the first century would sleep in one big room. And when the kids bedded down, you didn't want the kids to get up no matter what because then what happens? everybody wakes up, okay? So it's like you've got to step over them, get to the fridge, I can't do it, stop knocking, and you're, you're moving over, and, and you unzip the flap, and it's a pain, and the guy's like, go away, man, don't bother me. Everybody's in their sleeping bag. And then Jesus delivers the punchline in verse 8. He says, I tell you, even though we won't get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's what? Again, boldness he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And the little word here, boldness, you'll see in your footnote in the Greek, it means what? Persistence. Because the man's persistence. Persistence is where we get the word what? Pest. Which is really the essence of what's happening. This man is being persistent with his act. He just keeps banging on the door, banging on the door. He's like, excuse me, sir. Go away. It's late. Yeah, I know, but stop knocking out. He's banging. He's a pest, man. This guy's knocking on the door and finally knocking and knocking and knocking. And out of sheer doggedness, I'm not going away, you know, kind of thing. Out of sheer doggedness, the guy's like, oh, for heaven's sakes. He opens the door. He goes, here, and hands him the bread. Take the bread, good grief, and leave me alone. And then Jesus makes his point about prayer. In verse 9, so I say to you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, go for it, and you'll find. Knock, and the what? The door will be opened. And this is a little bit for everybody. Everyone who asks, receives, finds the door's going to open for you, and it seems like a guarantee. And it's sort of confusing, because if you spend any time with Jesus and his stories or parables, you're kind of like, well, I know one of the persons is God, and one of them is us. Who do you think us is in the story? Obviously, we're the guy knocking on the door. We're asking God for something here. And then it's like, you mean the grumpy guy with the bread is God? Like, what, like, what is that? that? It's kind of like, what? We know that's not who God is. Don't miss what Jesus is getting at. He's drawing the sharp contrast between the neighbor next door and the guy upstairs. He's like, in other words, if you have a stingy friend who turned in for the night and he wishes more than anything, you would just go away. He does his best to ignore you. If even that kind of jerk eventually gets up and gives you what you want because you make a royal pest of yourself, how much more will your heavenly Father respond to your bold persistence in prayer? How much more? Underline those three words in verse 13 because Jesus is making a comparison. He asks rhetorically, he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. I love that. If you then, though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Look at this. How what? Say it together. How much more will your Father in heaven give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You've got to remember who you're talking to. Because although God is holy, he is up there. He is far above us. Because of Jesus Christ, he is, first and foremost, your heavenly Father who's crazy about you. In fact, the word here that Jesus uses for father is, is a translation. The original Aramaic word he used begins with an A. Does anybody know what it is? It is easily translated 
Abba, which means daddy in our language. It's a very tender, a very childlike name by which to call somebody. And Jesus' Jewish audience would have been scandalized by this. What? You call him Dada? (laughs) To refer to the God of the universe by the name Daddy was never done before in the history of civilization, people. Many of you know Hebrew people in the Old Testament times had such like respect, reverence, even fear of God, they would never actually even, they wouldn't even write out his name. You see that today. Like Orthodox Jews, they write G what? Slash D. It's out of fear of becoming too casual or familiar with the Lord God Almighty. But here comes Jesus. He says, I want you to begin your prayers this way. Our Abba, my daddy, who is in heaven, give me this day my daily bread. I need bread, dad. When you pray, he says, don't forget who you're talking to. Who who am I talking to? Well, to begin with, he's your daddy. (laughs) A loving, caring, intimate father who cares for nothing more than about meeting every single one of his children's most heartfelt needs. I came across a great picture that kind of captures this incredible reality. This is John F. Kennedy in the Oval Office when he was present. That's his son, John John, peeking through the knee-hole panel in his desk. And I love that picture because you realize it's the leader of the free world with a child playing hide-and-seek at his feet. (laughs) See, in the Kennedy administration, all staff, all senators, all foreign dignities had to follow a protocol. You had to book a special appointment with the president if you want to go in and see him. You can't barge in the president's office unannounced. But JFK was not Mr. President to John Jr. and his daughter Caroline, who you see dancing around there in the Oval Office. They knew him another name. They just simply called him Daddy, (laughs) Abba. And JFK had a longstanding rule in his administration. His children could barge into his office any time, day or night. They were the only ones in the whole White House with all access pass. And sometimes they would break into his office and throw down a dance party. And he'd get down on the carpet with him, clap his hands, they play together. These pictures were taken during the Cuban Missile Crisis. The weight of the free world on his shoulders. It takes time. Oh, my children, Abba, come, my delight. Folks, that's a picture of, of, of God and us. It's a picture of your father. You may not know because you get your earthly father and you're like, no, he was a distant or violent or abusive or warped. Your Abba, your heavenly father, completely, this is completely different. Through Christ, You have an all-access pass into the presence of the Lord of the universe. And he delights when you barge in there, man. He delights like any loving father rejoices when his beloved son or daughter comes in and asks for something. Andrew Murray writes this. He says, it's in prayer and it's answer that the interchange of love between the father and his child takes place. It's to prayer that God has given us the right to take hold of him and his strength. See, folks, the Lord's Prayer sheds a whole new light in Jesus' story. (laughs) We we often mumble through the Lord's Prayer, our Father who's in heaven, like it's this mindless religious ritual. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. When you pray, when when you ask, don't mumble meekly for something and then drop it. When you are serious about something, when you have your heart sounded, when you want your Father to know your needs, you gotta pound on that door like a salesman with his foot wedged in the door. Dad, Daddy! Come on in and don't give up. Why? Because your daddy God, far from being bothered by your persistence, is most often moved by it. Those of you who are fathers um, may intuitively know this. I often tell you about um, my own kids, my little girl Chase, who's eight. She's a delight. 
Uh, there we are at a, a party dancing. She's, she loved playing princesses and sweet stuff. That's her and her Abba dancing at a, at a party. Now, my little boy, Del, he is six, and he is a challenge. <laughs> on, on our difficult days, we call him Deli Bin Laden. That's just how we roll. I think the polite word in Christian circles is strong-willed child. Let's just put it at that. And I don't want to paint this too, too one-sided, because he, he's a sweet boy. He loves to give, you know, huge hugs, and sometimes they turn into headlocks, you know, kind of thing. But Deli's a treat. He really is because when he gets his mind set on something, he will not let it go. He personifies, in my book, the word persistence. I remember he was uh, two years old, and we, uh, and we went to the mall. This is kind of funny. Um, I, and, of course, I went immediately. I'm religious. I went to the Holy of Holies, the Apple store. And um, my wife took the kids to Pottery Barn Kids, you know. And, and, and so I'm playing across the hall with, it, with the gadgets. And all of a sudden, I just like, see out corner of my eye. This commotion happening at Pottery Barn Kids. And my wife comes around. She goes, Tim, please, help, please. And I'm like, huh, what? You know, and I drop all the stuff. And I go over. And I come over. And she's like all frantic. I'm like, you know, did, did, you, know, did you lose Dell? And she's like, I wish I did. You know, and, and she goes, there's your son. And anytime, you know, the one goes, your son kind of thing. And there he is. He climbed on top of these double-decker bunk beds, and he's leaning over the railing, reaching out, like almost about to fall, but his hands are clasped tight on this mobile. You know what a mobile is? It's like this mobile of the solar system, like all the planets. And he's two years old, and apparently he saw this thing. He loves anything with round objects, balls, rocks. He's just going to chuck it. And he saw this mobile with these planets and Pottery Barn kids. So he scrambled up the double-decker bunk beds, barely got his little chubby fingers around Saturn, and he's like holding on to this thing when his mother caught him, and she's trying to get him off, but he will not let go. He has like a death grip on Saturn. He is a persistent little bugger. And he's holding this thing, and so Daddy comes over. I was like, son, 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 come on. And he goes, he goes, no, Daddy, planets, planets, planets. And I'm like, okay, son, hi, I, see, I see the planets. Look, you can, you can look. You, no touch. No touch. Parents, you know how this goes? So we eventually, you know, he's like, no, planets. I finally get his fingers off. We leave the store. We may have been asked to leave the store. And uh, the rest of our trip is ruined. It's taken over by Dell. He's inconsolable. We're walking. He's just got, you know, he's got like jello bones. Planets. I wanted the planets, Daddy. So we go to Johnny Rockets, classic diversion, you know, like, we're going to grab dinner, maybe I'll distract him. And the waitress comes up and I'm like, oh, kids, you order whatever you want. You know, trying to distract him. My daughter Chase is like, I'll have a cheeseburger, please. And she's like, you know, she looks at Del. She's like, and what do you want, little man? He just goes, planets. You know, he does this shaking with his hands. And I'm like, okay, very good. Time to go. Uh, you know how adults, how this is when a kid fixates on something. So we go home and we figure he's going to forget about it. <laughs> Not so much. Uh, the next morning, my wife goes in to wake him up. He's two years old. Get him out of his crib. And he literally walks, she walks in, she flips on the light. She goes, hello, Del. Good morning, Del. And he just goes, planets? He like, like his eyes lit up. And for the rest of the week, all we are is planets, planets, planets. And we figure this thing's going to pass, but it didn't. We're watching the Yankee game like, two days later, just chilling out. And it's during like the, you know, the interview where the Yankee like logo comes on and this baseball comes on like spinning across the screen. And I see my son like mesmerized. And I'm like, you like baseball, my, my little boy? And he's like, daddy planets, you know, and every that spring, planets, 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 same request, same persistence, he truly became a pest. So we decided we're going to go educational. We took him to the library. We check out a book on planets. Look at us, good parents. And he loved it. Every morning at breakfast table, he's flipping through it. Saturn, Mars, Uranus. I'm like, oh, in 10 years, you're going to love that. Uh, you know, you're going to have some, <laughs> it's a big one. 
But it fueled his fixation even further. He's like, planets, 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 morning, noon, and night. And by this point, my wife and I are like, you know, this obsession with the solar system is like, he's either going to be a rocket scientist or, like, or rain man. Yeah, planets, got to watch Nat Geo. What time is Nat Geo on? You know, it's kind of like, you can probably guess what happened. We eventually have to go back to the mall, and at some point, Carl goes, why don't you take the kids with you? And I was like, no, 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 no. But then I thought, you know what? Today's the day. Son, come with me. And I grab Deli's hand, and we go to the mall, and it was a great trip. And we walk in, and literally, he's like, no, I don't go to the Apple store. I was just like, no, son, we're going right there. Today is the day, my boy. I have heard your cries, and I don't want to hear them anymore. <laughs> you are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And we walked into Pottery Barn, and by then, they, you know, the ban had been lifted. And I reached up, and I get the mobile, and I go, my boy... I have heard your cries. Here, this is for you. And he literally takes that and he looks at me. Planets, you know. You know what? Here's a secret. I didn't love my son anymore because of that. In fact, me giving him the planets has pretty much nothing to do with my affection for him. I love that boy as much as humanly possible. He already has 100% of my heart. So what moved me to action? It had something to do with my boys. His persistence. He made a pest of himself and he said, my heart, my heart is set on this thing. And you know what? Because I already love him and it wasn't going to harm him and I had the power to do something about it, I said, why not? Why not? Parents, you know this. Every once in a while, your son or daughter will keep bugging you and 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 bugging you until you finally give in and give them what they want. And you don't do that for everything, do you? Like if my boy had been like, Cobra, 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 baby Cobra, I'm not going to do this. But the truth is, because he's my son and I'm a father who loves my boy, anything he requests, if it's within my power and it's not harmful to him or others, I'm pretty much going to do it. Now, I may feel differently when he's 15 and wants a Vespa, but don't miss my point. It took a two-year-old, a two-year-old, approximately four weeks to move his father to action. Four weeks. And to that boy's credit, he kept at it. It was not a persistent passing desire. It was a persistent request. And I may have played up the irritation part, but you know what? It didn't bother me. In the end, it moved me. It moved me. It actually, I actually felt a degree of pleasure walking out of Pottery Bar and Kids with my boy in that mobile down the walk. Jesus says, that's what Abba's like. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For who? Everyone. That would be you. That would be me. For everyone, Jesus says, who asks, receives, who seeks, finds, and he who knocks, the door is going to be open. Folks, this is Jesus' instruction to us about prayer. He's like, be bold. You ask anything, and don't you dare give up. For the rest of your fast, I want you to pray persistently. I want you to be a pest. Why? Because you know what? It's not that God's waiting for you to hit a magic number so he can respond. It's more like Jesus saying, why do you give up so easily? I'm surprised you don't ask more. That's one of the things that as a parent I do to gauge the sincerity of my kids' requests. When they just like let something go, I know it's not really close to their heart. But when they keep at it like a pit bull, I'm like, They're serious about this, and I'm moved by it. I actually get to see their passion. 
So part of your fast, honestly, this week is answering, how bad do you want this? Was this just a fleeting thing last week? Oh, that was just on my mind. I forgot about it. I forgot what I even wrote. Or is this something so close to your heart? I'm not giving up, God, on the salvation. I'm knocking the doors in Jesus. I am serious. Knocking the door will be opened unto you. Can I hear an amen? A little Pentecostal moment right now. Dave, you mind grabbing this thing? Thank you, Eric. Throw that down up there. Would you, would you give Eric a hand? The fountain of weight of liquid. Give it a thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. Woo. We're talking breakthrough here, people. It's awesome. Um, notice something else about this. Um, ask. Notice that the intensity changes. It's not Jesus just being rhetorical. Ask is say, it's just a simple request. It's like saying, hey, Dad, I need something. Seek is something stronger, isn't it? Seek is saying, I'm looking for something. I'm actually going after. I am committed to discovering what you have for me. Knock is the most intense. It's pound on the door. I'll do it easy. Ding dong. It's actually doing something about it. Keep knocking. Jesus says, do not give up. Keep at it because your father isn't bothered by your persistence. He promises to answer the door. Did you know, do you see what Jesus is saying? There's no such thing as unanswered prayer. Some of you are like, what? I have plenty of prayers that go unanswered. That's not true. Jesus says, every prayer will be answered. Now, he may not give you the exact answer you want in the time frame you wanted in, but Jesus says, your Abba, he will always respond to those who seek him because he's a loving father, and there's no such thing as a loving father who just completely ignores you. Here's a helpful way to think about it. Think about it this way. If your request is wrong, God will sometimes say no. If you are wrong, God will sometimes say grow. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. But if the request is right, you are right, and the timing's right, God will say, go. I can see each of these answers at different points in my life. No, grow, slow, and go. When I was applying to college, I remember this. I applied to Dartmouth. That was my father's uh, alma mater, and I really wanted to get in. Oh, I want to get in. I got a rejection letter. And at the time, I was devastated. I was so upset. But with hindsight, I can see why. God actually wanted me to go to a Christian evangelical school and get a background in Bible and theology that seems to come in handy nowadays. If the request is wrong, God says no. At Wheaton, I gained an appreciation for English and film. That's what I studied there. And when I graduated, I actually wanted to move out to L.A. and go work in, uh, in screenwriting. I had it all lined up. I actually had an internship with Wes Craven because he went to Wheaton and got kicked out. It was just odd. And then, <laughs> and then it got pulled at the last minute. And for the longest time, I was like, why not? Why not go to Los Angeles? I had no idea why God wouldn't give me the desire of my heart. So I started teaching English. That's where I learned to teach. And for eight years... That's where I learned how to communicate, particularly using media. See, Father knows best. He said, Tim, I want you to grow. And I need you to change your desire before I trust you with influence. If you are wrong, God says, grow. So here I am stuck in New Jersey, and I discovered that I absolutely love teaching. And uh, my wife and I started this little thing called Liquid. We discovered there's a niche for a church that uses music and film and media to tell the message of God to a new generation. At that time, I was growing. Liquid grew pretty rapidly, and I remember a friend coming up to me and saying, dude, why don't you start your own church? So I prayed about it. I was like, God, if you, if you want us to, you know, lead a church, I'm open to this. You know what his answer was? Whoa, slow, slow, slow. <laughs> you got a lot to learn, boy. There's a lot I need to teach you. And so Colleen and I took it very slow. We actually ministered under the authority of a 150-year-old church, and they let us grow naturally and organically. They didn't force Liquid to become something premature. See, if the timing is wrong in your life, God will say, slow. But if the request is right, and you are right, 
and the timing is right. God says, go. And four years ago, after a lot of prayer and the blessing of my mentors, we launched out as an independent church. The timing seemed right. We took a step of faith. God said, go for it. Confirmation, I remember this. I'll never forget this in this church. Our first week when God actually moved a donor to provide a gift of $300,000 that allowed us to move into this hotel. And the rest is history. We'll be launching our third campus this fall. We expect to be over 2,000 people in 2012. So God is telling us go. In fact, a lot of times I feel like it's keep up. In my journey, that's my story. In my journey with my Abba, I have known every one of these answers firsthand. And I suspect you have too. The part for me that's hardest is not the no answer. It's typically the slow answer. I always want God to answer my prayer right now. I want, I want that prayer right now and feel that like when I get off my knees, God's waiting out the door. Well, oh, here's, well, here's bread. Are you wanted it? You know, kind of thing. The reality is, guys, sometimes God does that. But many times, he forces us, he allows us to wait so that we have to be persistent. And in the asking, guess what? We change, we change. Here's the secret. Sometimes Abba gives us bread. And sometimes he gives us something better than bread. What's that? Himself. The Holy Spirit. See, the truth is, folks, fasting doesn't always change God's heart as much as it does our heart. At least that's what Chris and Michelle Dixon discovered when they started to fast earlier this year. This is their story. We're Chris and Michelle Dixon, and uh, we did a Daniel fast earlier this year in January. We decided that there was just a lot of things that we needed to seek God for this year, and it was just really impressed upon our hearts to do it. The most difficult part of um, the fast, I think, is just getting through those first few days. When I think about this, actually, fast that we did in January, the Daniel fast, was that um, God showed me um, almost how much I attached food to joy. God showed me, you don't need a meal or food to have fellowship with your family. Your family shouldn't be defined by going out to eat because it's Friday night. You go to make a dinner. And, you know, they want something and yeah, they're asking you, why aren't you eating? You know, by the end it was like, oh, they're fasting. You know, our three-year-olds like saying this. Our oldest daughter, Jenna, uh, she's going to turn five next month. Uh, We were pregnant with her and we were in a financial situation in the house we were at where we really couldn't stay there anymore. So we fasted and uh, he really kind of laid out what we were supposed to do and the next few steps and the house sold. We, we found a house miraculously. You, you enter fast, you have a list of things that are on your heart and the Lord knows everything on your heart. And um, going in, you pray about those things the first couple days and you're just really into it. And then as time dwindles, God is so faithful to just change your heart during the fast that when you come out, you realize, I haven't even thought about that thing that I was obsessed with. And you're in almost like a new place with the Lord where he's kind of like really clearly showing you, this is what I want you to focus on now. I've done other fasts before and, you know, you spend time praying and reading and you kind of absorb, but this time in particular, you know, going through the 21 days, by the second and third week, I was was going through the Gospels and it was one of the first times in my life where the Holy Spirit was definitely breathing new life and knowledge into me as I was reading it. I would encourage anyone considering to do a fast um, just to trust the Lord and know that He knows your heart. If you take that one thing that you can replace with spending time with Him, He'll be faithful. Get off the couch, get off the fence, 
get into the fast. You know, you go into the fast and you have this long list of desires of things that you want to overcome or things that you, you need answers on and you're just crying out to God. And the more you pour into this thing, the more you start realizing that it's not about any of those. You just want more of God. You go into the fast with this, these, these list of these things. But the more you press in, the closer you get to your Abba, the more you realize it's actually not about any of these things. You just want more of Him. More of God. Gut check time, yeah? What are you really hoping for over the next 21 days? Just a change of your circumstance? Or are you hungering for God himself? That's what Jesus concludes his teaching with. He asks earthly abbots, he says, if, if, if you daddies are, who, you're, you're, you're sinful, you're evil, and you give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Abba in heaven give who? What? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Don't miss the curveball at the end of Jesus' teaching. He's making a nuanced point about what to expect when we fast and pray with persistence. He's like, sometimes you get bread, good gifts. And sometimes you get fruit, the Holy Spirit. Sometimes over 21 days, God gives you something better than what you originally wanted. In the next three weeks, you may not instantly get the job. You may not get the miracle cure. You may not get the spouse. Why? Because when you fast and ask, even if your circumstances don't automatically change, guess what? You will change in the process. You may desperately want relief from a crisis or a trial, and instead God says, I'm going to give you patience to endure it. You may say, I got no strength. I, 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 I was talking with somebody who said, I, I, I'm actually going to prison. I'm, I'm fasting that I will get out sooner than my release. You may want release from a dead-end job, and instead God gives you strength to redeem the time you're locked into it. It's not that prayer changes things as much as prayer changes us. Most of us are so goal-oriented and get-or-done attitude towards life, but fasting makes us slow down. It teaches us we can't automatically fix the people or situation we're praying for. I can't get everything I want in the time frame I want it. I gotta slow down and wait. It's called, it's called what? Daily bread for a reason. Daily. Day one, I present my requests. Day two, same request. Day three, day 14, day 16, day 17. Over and over and over again, I'm declaring my dependency on my Abba for the next 14 days. And through that act of submission, guess what God does? He says, your spirit's going to start growing. (laughs) It's going to start resembling my spirit. You're going to begin bearing what? All the fruit you need most. Patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the fruits of the what? The anyone? Holy Spirit. Through fasting and prayer, we bear fruit on the inside, guys. We actually grow up into the image of our Abba. It's not that Abba has anything against giving bread to his children. He's not stingy. It's just sometimes he prefers fruit. So understand God may or may not change your circumstances through this fast, but guaranteed he will change you. I have a friend who, um, he was uh, engaged to be married, and eight weeks before the wedding, it got called off by his fiance. She broke it off. And he was devastated, and he came in to see me in my office. He was upset. He was shaking. He slammed the door, and he just exploded. He said, I can't believe that. She's such a da-da-da. And he just kind of went crazy. He just blew, blew up and um, actually knocked stuff over. He said, why would God allow this to happen? Why didn't he just let us get married? And I think God was sitting saying, um, actually, that's why. 
until I deal with those anger issues, I can't give you this. See, through fasting, we learn to pray, not my will be done, but what? Your will be done. We develop a hunger for what our Father knows will be best for us, which may turn out to be what we want, bread, or what we need even more, his Holy Spirit. More of that, please. So over the next couple weeks, let me encourage you. You may, don't be surprised, if your original request actually begins revealing an even deeper set of concerns. You'll see this all throughout Scripture. If you, if you want to blow your mind, look at Acts chapter 10 this week. All right, I'll include this in the devotional. It's an amazing picture of this truth. The disciple Peter is fasting, and he goes up on a roof to pray. It's lunchtime, and he's hungry, Scripture says, and he literally starts dreaming about food. He has a food dream. And he comes down from the roof after his fast is over, and only then does he realize God was talking about the racism in his heart. That salvation through Christ is for Jews and for Gentiles and for Muslims, thank you very much. And Peter was one of the most legalistic, narrow-minded bigots until he fasted and he prayed and the Holy Spirit changed his heart. So like Peter, we may pray for one thing and we get another. Sometimes the Father gives you bread, sometimes he gives you fruit, his Spirit changing you from the inside out. You just never know. And that's why Jesus says, don't you dare, don't you dare stop asking. And even if nobody comes to that door, you pound, you solicit, you go after the heart of your father, you go after him. Because guaranteed, something or someone will change every single time. For everyone, everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. And to her who knocks, the door is going to be open. That's the promise. Amen? That's why we fast and we pray with persistence. Be a pest, guys. This week, be bold. Ask anything. Your Abba is listening and he wants to break through to you and you got to expect to receive an answer, all right? It may be during this fast. More likely it will be in the days following. It may be a year later for some of you. It may be next year, but guess what? God sees your heart right now in this moment. And whether he says no, slow, or go, above all things, know this, you're going to grow through this experience. You will grow, I guarantee it. And right now I want to pray for more of his Holy Spirit in more of you and more of us together. So let's do this. Pray together. All our campuses, let's bow our heads. God, I'm holding up these requests once again to you, Father, and I just see our hearts, God. See the faces and the names and the people behind these, the situations, the crises, the trials your children are facing. God, we're taking this moment to call you Abba. The fact that we can call you Daddy through faith in Jesus Christ is an incredible miracle itself. God, thank you that you have no judgment towards us, but you long to help. You are filled with compassion. God, I pray right now for breakthrough for some people even here right now who they can't understand what a loving father would be like. God, would you break through by your Holy Spirit and reveal the father heart of God to them. God, let them be different because they've drawn close to your face. We ask that in the name of Jesus, all God's people said together, Amen. amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.